Well, hello, everyone. This is 372. Connor, why don't you step in here? Because my cold voice is probably not the most pleasant to lead off with. I just have a tiny cold. Bear with me, folks. <laughs> wow. Uh, coming uh, hot out of the gate then. Uh, but yeah, this is 372 pages. We'll never get back. Uh, Mike has a cold. Uh, I'm Connor Lestoka. I don't have a cold, but I've been reading Sean Penn all week. So I, I feel just sort of a general malaise. Like I'm, I'm weighed down by... <laughs> cynicism and uh, a, a disdain for society that I must partake in, man, even though I'm above it all. Uh, so that's sort of what's been what's been getting me down. And I'm, I'm really concerned about branding and uh, just mindless sheep in society, man, plus all those people who <laughs> I don't even know where I'm going with this. Well, on the other hand, are you enjoying the prodigious amounts of purple prose pouring from Penn's pen as he profoundly probes the prevailing propensities of his Procrustean protagonist? Dear God. Oh, my God. <laughs> wow. Uh, that, that was that, almost as annoying as some of his, I think. That was, was that, yeah, that must have taken a while. Uh, no, not really. I, that was, I, I kind of just whipped it up last night to, to <laughs> yeah. try to annoy so, everyone right off the bat. So it's not difficult to just string a bunch of alliteration together into, uh, arty, arty sounding nonsense. Yeah. Add a $5 word in there. Um, I don't know about you. I've been, uh, resentfully diving towards the, uh, dictionary. <laughs> um, a few times of a lot of the I, words I'm, I'm half certain it's a Tysian thing where he's not really using it properly and doesn't really know what it is that he grabbed for the thesaurus. Sure. But, uh, sure. we'll, we'll explore that more. Yeah. And you know, there's some things where the words do make sense, but maybe just not in the, in the order that they're being used in. Like this is just an interesting experience. So, I mean, let's just, let's dive right in. We, we are reading Bob Honey, who just do stuff by Sean Penn. Um, and unlike all the other books we've read, which have been, you know, fairly straightforward. The last book was, I guess the last book was not straightforward, but it wasn't aspiring to anything other than, than telling a story in a sure unconventional manner. This one is aspiring to some more highfalutin uh, type of writing. Would you agree? <laughs> yeah, I, I don't. I wish I had more knowledge of what it's aspiring to, <laughs> because then maybe I'd be a little more forgiving. It's aspiring to annoy the living hell out of me, is what it's doing. <laughs> yeah, but but there are things where I'm reading it and I'm like, unlike you know any of Ernest Klein's sentences and any of any of William Shatner's, I'm not sure what a sentence means. I'm yeah, not sure oh. what it's. I have that written out many times. I, okay. <laughs> I so I, there'll be questions back and forth here. This will be a uh, an exploratory uh, uh, thing here, where we both try to figure out what in the name of hell he's talking about. Sure, and you know, if it, this is probably going to open the door for people to to call me an idiot for not being able to interpret the words of this prophet that we're reading. Uh, you know, in a normal situation, I'd probably read something like some of the mixture of words in this, and just sort of scan by it and assume that context will later. Uh, make it, uh, give it more sense. In this case, I'm trying to figure it out. So there's been sentences that I've read 10 times uh, to hopefully interpret them and then make fun of them. But uh, it just, it just isn't happening for some of these. Oh yeah. And I, I, you know, back to your earlier point, I fully admit we could be idiots, but that's part, <laughs> that's part of the mission of this podcast is books that we are probably going to hate. Yes. And that has, has that has certainly been the case in this. But I fully admit, I, I may be, I'm just on the outside, you know, I, like, 
you don't come into as a as a person who doesn't know anything about chess and then make fun of chess. Sure. Yeah. Um, so that could be the case. I I'm <laughs> I'm open to that. Sure. Um, but uh, we'll see. We'll explore yeah. it in our with our whatever our capacity to explore it. That's what we're. That's all we can use, right? We can't we can't bring in an expert and and have him tell us why we're wrong. No, exactly. It's a uh, it's whether he whether he reached us with this book is sort of what we're what we're aiming to prove. And uh, as we've been sort of spent the past week announcing it, and people have been diving into it on their own. Like you said, you didn't know what his intent was with this. Whether he's he's you know, sneering at the reader, whether he's like laughing along with them, whether there's things that are supposed to be funny. <laughs> but but a reader, a listener found some some interesting information about this, which I had no idea of. Like we, we just sort of read some of the collected bad reviews of this and thought it sounded good. But a listener named Natalia found an article. So this was <laughs> this was released as an audiobook six months before the book was. What? Yeah, and it was released as an audiobook. It was it's a it, there's like a concept to it. Sean Penn claims so it was released as an audiobook that Sean Penn narrated, but it was written by Pappy Pariah. <laughs> wow, I guess my I was prescient with the uh Yeah, with the P's. The alliterative P's, yeah. So I guess that's what happened to Popeye's father after he, you know, after the, you know, the town suspected that he was you know, had some had some untoward pictures on his hard drive, and they they ran him out of town. It was a he was a poop deck pappy pariah. <laughs> I, I had a uh, a character that I did who was called Pappy, and it was for these these kids, uh, little kids. My friends, were, we were taking a walk, and they were bored by this nature walk, and so I got up on one of those you know like stump theaters that are sometimes <laughs> in parks, and I'm like, now listen up, kids, Pappy's got a story for you. And I was doing it to make him laugh. And the one kid was young enough where he like his eyes widened and he, he listened intently. And uh, so I just made up a full like 15 minute story that he just adored and was like clapping. and everything. So I had to call him on his birthday and be Pappy for a couple wow. years after that. Wow. So Sean Penn and I both playing characters named Pappy. Characters. Yeah, yeah. But so he met his Pappy at a writer's conference in Florida in 1979. And that's where he sort of. I guess he, over the years, Pappy presented him this book. And so she found, she analyzed the audio book and then the book that was published by Sean Penn and found, just like in Klein, where we found that dodecahedron versus decahedron um, sort of change oh, yeah. along the way, she found some some things. So here's just a, a few of the audio book version and then how they compared to the, to the she called it the raw Sean Penn. So for example... Uh, Cactus Fields, a low-cost home for assisted senior living, stands like a brick with covered windows isolated against the desert. Uh, compare that to the book. Cactus Field, a low-cost home for assisted senior living, looms like a large khaki-colored brick isolated against a backdrop of distant ambient light. Its draped windows and solitary silhouette sit in a seemingly endless desert tableau. Here it seems that the desert itself has been deserted. Mm. See, that so you, was I had that sentence written down yes. with a... Uh, Connor, you want to offer that a firm settle down, I assume? Yeah, definitely. I think that was one where I, I called back the uh, the college uh, uh, guy that I knew that wrote down uh, rocket science is not rocket science, which I think, you know, uh, yeah. this is this is sort of this guy's uh, that guy's bread and butter. But, yeah, there was another one. Uh, he's talking about the the grotesque elderly people that Bob is assassinating. And in the audiobook, he just referred to their blotchy, colorless skin. 
But in the Sean Penn one, he says, there's a blotchy batch of colorless dermal masks. Oh, God. So, yeah, he really, he really, really penned it up for the uh, for the non non audiobook production. Who knows what the reasoning is for that, if it was uh, a good editor or any other reason. But um, so that that's a, a fascinating detail behind this whole thing. It brings to mind the the famous line from Amadeus, you know, uh, Mozart asking of the king, what's wrong with this? Why don't you like it? He said, I don't know, too many notes. And, <laughs> and uh, I think that's, that's Sean Penn. Stop adding notes to your own. St- stick with the pappy. <laughs> right. Pappy version. Pappy version for life. Uh, but yeah, I think we should we should probably just like delve into it because there's a lot there. Um, and we should probably just tell anyone who's listening and not reading along that it's this is like probably more adult than all of our other stuff combined. Um, yeah, it is in a <laughs> in a stupid way. So in you know, there's I don't think there'll be a lot of material that's too um, you know nasty or risque. It's just sort right. of super super dumb in a way. But still, yeah, there are adult things will be mentioned. I guess sure. Um, all right, but let's uh, let's do that and move on. It starts with a uh, starts with a couple of epigraphs that I you know maybe they're from Edgar Lee Masters Spoon River anthology, Inkmar Bergman and Jack Kerouac, and uh, I, I assume maybe their meaning will come clear. Sometimes those do, sometimes they don't. But my just impression was that those three are you, you are like senior quotes one hundred and one for uh, for for starting a book off with just attaching someone else's. Uh, profundity to your own garbage. Yeah, you're going to read something super important here, people. Strap in. <laughs> but uh, so I wanted just to do a quick, quick little guessing game. This will be you've 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 read some of this already. But uh, for anyone who's not listening, um, you uh, the first thing people noticed in this book was the table of contents, and you're it shows that you're really in for something special uh, just based on the chapter titles. So I wanted to, you, you probably know some of this already, but you can guess along at home with Mike. I want you to guess whether this is a chapter title from Bob Bunny, who just do stuff by Sean Penn, or a chapter title from Moby Dick, uh, the great American novel by Her- Herman Melville. Okay. All right. Okay. So here's, here's number one. Just guess right after the, after the title. Midnight, Forecastle. I'm, I'm going to say uh, <laughs> that that is Moby Dick. Okay. Going aboard. Um, Moby Dick? Correct. Nantucket. I'm going to say Moby Dick. Big cock. Oh, <laughs> <laughs> uh, you set me up norm style for that, didn't you? Uh, so that one, Sean Penn. Uh, how about this one? The deck towards the end of the first night watch. Oh, yeah. I'm going to say Moby Dick on that. Oh, Moby Dick is correct. Uh, the next one. Sexual dungeon. <laughs> <laughs> wow this must be later chapters i have not seen that yet uh so that's sean penn uh a bosom friend oh well that's uh yeah he's talking about queequeg okay that's moby dick yes uh mind drumpf <laughs> that's pappy all yes. the way uh okay how about uh the crotch <laughs> uh that's that's gotta be pappy no that's moby dick that's the one. That's the one I thought that could have gone either way. How dare you! Uh, two more. Uh, debunking Camus. Ah, <laughs> uh, Sean. Sean Penn. Yes, the debunking the great uh, author of the Jilted Youth, uh, and then of the less erroneous pictures of whales and the true pictures of whaling scenes. Oh, that that would be Moby Dick. 
Yes, that's not a trick question. But uh, so, yeah, as you can see, there's a little little bit of difference, I think, in the uh, in the subject matter and the tone of, of this book and Moby Dick. A little bit, a little <laughs> bit. Um, but, you know, fortunately, unlike Moby Dick, he doesn't stop the narrative and give you uh, 150 pages on whale taxonomy, like uh, <laughs> which I, in the end I enjoyed, but it's it quite jarring because, you know, you know the story of Moby Dick, right? And it's just, he's chasing the whale. This happens, sure. this happens. Yeah. And that's it's a good story. <laughs> that's sort of meted out over so much other stuff, which is, you know, it's refreshing in a way once you're used to it. But man, I was jarred by that. Yeah, they don't write them like they used to. Yeah. All right. Um, yeah, let's uh, let's dive right in. It starts with a prelude. Um, and the prelude is sort of a... Uh, has some some events that are later alluded to in the uh, in the story before you meet Bob. But uh, the first thing I noted that it was it begins on nine fifteen two thousand one, which is a uh, an auspicious time to begin any sort of novel, regardless of subject matter. Um, yeah, <laughs> it endows it with a weight which I'm not sure if he's earned yet. But <laughs> <laughs> it's not really addressed. Uh, but I guess it's just sort of weighted in the. Uh, in this in this time period of the past 18 years but it starts with a uh, a neighbor who's uh, the first thing i was amused by was that it includes it's a transcript so it includes the stage direction loud dog barking renders caller unintelligible which i think should show up in more books yeah and also using his my first thing that i noticed was the uh, the typeface like he's already padding this thing out <laughs> with the, the huge uh, font size on the the headings for those things Yes, absolutely. We're it's like a, six uh, pages in, and there's a hundred words at most. <laughs> He's doing the old uh, the old term paper thing, but yeah, it's it's a, it's a novella, really. It's 160 pages, and it's a tiny little hardcover book. Um, so yeah, I, I don't I don't know what we gain by this, but it's essentially sort of a uh, a a Tom Waitsian what's he building in there scenario where the neighbors are concerned about their their weird little neighbor because he's doing stuff like posting placards that say. International airports boast morbid mannequins at duty free in his yard, and he's mowing his lawn at three a.m. Yeah, and um, the the police noted that the scent of fresh cut grass permeated the air, which is that's what the police do, right? When they <laughs> investigate a scene. <laughs> um, but yeah, I mean, I you know, so so we're sort of meant to to think that this woman is obnoxious, I think. But he is mowing his lawn at three a.m., so you've had experience with with leaf blowers. You can tell that he is indeed a monster, if that's the case. That's true. He he deserves to have everything that happens to him in this book. <laughs> um, his first joke, I feel, happens in this, uh, or at least his first sort of overt joke. There was something that I thought was a joke here, so I'm interested to see if you're if you pick the same thing. Uh, the the um, we'll call her Gladys Kravitz for us old people who know it's the nosy neighbor. Well, okay. it's this hairdo of his. It's yep. something like a Nazi or a woodshop teacher. So you know, big joke, sideswipe at woodshop teachers. <laughs> yes, <I guess. laughs> coming out of coming out of the gate strong with that. Yeah, I I I also thought that was an attempt at humor, which appear to be rare in this book and will be quite off-putting when they do rear their head if this one is any indication. <laughs> yes. Um, but that that's just a curious opening. I don't really have much in that. Nope, that was it. There's just a, a yappy dog. It takes place four days after 9-11 and the neighbor's calling the cops on, on, her, on her weird little neighbor. Yeah. Um, but then, 
Speaking of, of titles, seeking homeostasis and inherent hypocrisy. <laughs> yeah. So that was uh, that's the title of chapter one. I assume that you, like me, will refuse to call them stations, as Sean Penn did. I don't even know what that that's that will start my I don't know what's happening thing. What is the station supposed to mean? <laughs> I it, it boggles the mind. But the uh, but the seeking homeostasis and inherent hypocrisy to me, this was uh, this book is going to call to mind a lot of things that I I like or have liked. Um, and it's just, it's going to be the book is bad enough that it's going to make you question those things. So th this just reminded me, I was like, this sounds like something like out of a out of a radio headliner note. And so I grabbed uh, a album, Hail to the Thief, which has a bunch of words on the cover. And indeed, you could just pick any of these words and string them together, and it would be the equivalent of seeking homeostasis in inherent hypocrisy. So I'm just going to do this now. You can look up this album at home and play along with me. But you've got um, uh, Bunker Backdrifts, Further Lonely Shadows. Hmm. Money for the Generals, Afraid of Tomorrow. Kindergarten doublespeak economic edited clampdown like it's it's just that type of <laughs> Mad Libs, I guess is, is what I'm getting at. Yeah, I, I I I read once this is just something that I read So I, I have no idea whether it's true that a lot of David Bowie's lyrics were created by chopping up words um, from a piece of paper and throwing them on the floor and huh. assembling them again and that's why you you get his uh, strange lyrics about, uh, you know, uh, I can't think of one offhand, but, you know, they, they, sure. they sound a little like this, slightly alliterative. Sure. Uh, talk about questioning techniques. His alliteration, I was, as a youngster, I was a huge uh, uh, Edgar Allan Poe fan. Okay. And uh, he he poured on the alliteration, you know, think of The Raven is full of yeah. it. Um, and it made me question whether <laughs> I want to go back in time and punch a drunken Edgar Allan Poe in the face, too. Yeah, uh, I don't know. It's a. Uh, it, it, I think that that. I don't think you can you can truthfully because like I mentioned Tom Waits earlier, and he's going to come up again. You can't really. If someone does a crappy version of something, it doesn't. It's not the person's fault that they did it way before the person decided to rip it off. No, I know, I know. It just, uh, you know, it just it befouls the memory of, in a way. Right. But I'll, we'll yes. shake it off. We'll be, we'll be fine. We'll go back to our, uh, you know, the the things that we liked, and we'll be fine with them. But for for the time <laughs> being, when you're in the midst of it, it's just that sour taste in your mouth. Um, but yeah, the alliteration is the first thing that everyone has has grown very quick quickly irritated with, and it's uh, it, it comes up a lot uh, for for whatever reason, and I assume it continues throughout the book. But it's it it definitely is is notable, and it doesn't seem like anything other than a a conscious attempt at doing something artistic. So it, it gets very irritating. Yeah, there's a you already uh, you mentioned it already. Here's another he when he gilded the lily on his earlier description of the old people. <laughs> he accidentally, there's tons of alliteration in it. I won't read the whole thing, but the moist, sagging eyes illuminated by the rarefied strobe of a passing car, um, dilapidated, sporadically visited parking lot, portraiture of sagging faces falling in and out of indelicate light and shadow, blotchy batch of colorless dermal mask, uh, bound by brutal boredom. Ah. <laughs> uh, but he repeated sagging in there, I think, two or three times, which I just thought, wow. come on, you can't, you can't just right. repeat the, you can't rhyme your own words and you can't repeat words like that, you know, as you're right. doing this kind of 
uh, hash of, of dark descriptions. Um, when you're clearly using a, a thesaurus and dictionary on speed dial, there's no excuse for repeating words as opposed to finding a, uh, you know, thesaurus.com, one that starts with the same letter as sagging. Come on. Right, exactly. <laughs> Uh, but yeah, so these, those are, those sagging old faces are, uh, I had, I had that exact same thing, um, thing, uh, jotted down, but the, the last sentence of that is their, their last life spark extracted from their oblivion, a reckoning of their uselessness in a world where branding is being, and that's following a sentence much, a uh, few sentences earlier, calling them brandless beasts of yesteryear. And so these are the first of many anti-branding uh, rants or asides that take place in this book. What, what does he mean by this? I, I mean, I didn't even notice the, the branding thing up front until he later sort of spells it out (laughs) in all caps. Yeah. I don't, I don't know. I assume he just means, you know, that, that commercialism, that vague, yeah. Corporate America commercialism. I, I assume that's all he means. Um, yeah, the word so was a, probably when he was first coming up with this idea, when Pappy was first coming up with this idea, <laughs> uh, branding probably was a, a hotter term, you know? Yeah. So, yeah, I, I mean, you know, yeah, brand has sort of a, you know, people use that, you know, that corporate speak of, you know, establishing your brand identity is now something that people are unfortunately quite familiar with just because it's sort of been accepted that that's how you can talk about things. But I get the feeling he's talking more about just like general commercialists because I don't think he's talking about these senior citizens have not established their online Instagram brand. I don't think that's exactly what he's talking about, but maybe, I don't know. We're dumb. Yeah, Yeah, right. Exactly. (laughs) But yeah, after this revolting description of them, I was just, I was, I had hope was hoping that the people in this retirement home were like cool rapping grannies. But he sort of, the, by the third time he repeated sagging dermal masks, I got the sense that <laughs> they were not going to be doing that anytime soon. Uh, yeah, and here's another case of, is he doing a, a strange satire? Does he himself, uh, do? does he find old people repulsive and worthy of being murdered? I, I don't know. <laughs> I, I don't know what's happening here, but I'm sure we'll find out. Yeah, yeah, we get a we get a sense of that later. But yeah, he's he's essentially we learned that he's like going into these old folks home and he's, you know, popping them on the head with his uh, carny mallet. And uh, and then he, you know, is driving away. It says a dull white Pontiac ignites its engines, rolls over the fissures of weed into the interstate and under its driver's breath. It wasn't me. Yeah, so uh, that was what I interpreted that to mean. Again, maybe I'm dumb and can't comprehend his uh, his his level of, of genius here, but I assumed the driver was putting on Shaggy's 2000 uh, sensational hits. It wasn't me as he drove away from murdering the elderly people. Yeah, I, f- I th- feel like he didn't even think it was uh, needed, the footnote. <laughs> he just he skipped the footnote because we're all thinking the same thing. Um, uh, nothing would delight me more than if that became a, uh, an actual theme in this, in this terrible book. <laughs> it was all shaggy-based, yeah. <laughs> but yeah, so the first chapter was brief, mercifully. Anything else? Nope, it's uh, very brief and was puzzling to me. It uh, fills in a little once you read ahead, but it's a joyless thing to try to go back and figure stuff out. <laughs> uh, yeah, I read it twice, so then it became more apparent what had happened then. I assumed he was shooting the people with a pop, 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 but later on he, he again, spells that out by singing Pop Goes the Weasel um, as he's talking about murdering the people with his 
with his mallet. And where did he get the mallet? He got it from his years as a teenage carny, which is explained in Chapter 2, Recollections of a Teenage Carny. Mm-hmm. It begins with the uh, with the sentence that triggered my first settle down in the book, uh, which was, it is the autumn of the age of reason. Yeah. That was a, that was a firm settle down. Someone someone said I might need to get a rubber stamp that says settle down for this book because there's going to be a lot of them. But that is a uh, I, I imagine that's an allusion to something, but I'm not going to look it up. And it uh, really has no bearing on the rest of the chapter. So I uh, it, it bothered me. <laughs> yeah. And he starts off with a description of Bob Honey, who's on Sweet Dog Lane, previously yeah. mentioned, which the, for the first time made me think, what's, is there something between the honey and the sweet and the, oh, huh. I, I don't know. Um, <laughs> and then he goes into this, what I assume will never come back, things like he made a killing in the septic tank pumping industry by focusing on an exclusive clientele of Jehovah's Witnesses. Yes. I, I assume a throwaway bad joke. No, no, that's that's a big deal later on. And then a brief monopoly on mail order Merkins. Yeah. Which, again, a throwaway piece of, like, it causes you to go, ugh. But no, right. that, that gets expounded upon a little bit. And uh, Airborne Ordnance Maintenance Company and Western Test Range, which just is a hash of words. Yeah. And he's also a former fixed wing shuttle operator, which comes back again more than once to the point where it's like, are you expecting us to know what on earth that means? Yeah. I mean, I don't, what's not a fixed wing? I I don't even know. And then, yeah, like those old timey flying machines and that like where they thought you needed to flap your wings like a bird in order to make them fly. (laughs) Fixed wing is just, I I, I don't know. Uh, (laughs) Barge fireworks display purveyor. Mm Mm-hmm. Yeah. So it's it's very much a uh, it's sort of a fiction 101 of how to create a uh, quirky character is what I took away from this. You need a uh, you need a, a weird um, sort of job that uh, sort of deg- people would look down their nose at from their from their ivory tower, but it's still sort of quirky. And you have a uh, you know, he works for Jehovah's Witnesses. So you need to work with a sort of minority group in order to make it seem like you're you're sort of uh, rubbing shoulders with interesting people. And so I made a a game for people here. Um, so I want you to give it a shot here of how to create your own Sean Penn literary character. Oh, yeah, I like this. Mm-hmm. OK, so I've got a dice here and uh, there's, I'll, I'll put this up on the uh, on the website for people to, to make their own. And then you can write a short story about them or something. But um, so there's four little categories. Um, uh, let's, I'll roll the dice. The first one is a, a blue collar job that an Oscar winner would consider degrading, but it's still kind of quirky. And so I'll roll the dice and and let you know what the, uh, what your character does for a living. Oh, okay, good. Okay. So three, uh, you are a part-time middle school janitor. Mm -hmm. (laughs) Um, and let's see, uh, who you, who the minority group you interact with, uh, as a, as a business interest is on the side. Okay. Also a three. Uh, you work with uh, you. You do side work for plastic surgeons who are ironically victims of botched plastic surgery themselves. Oh, that is whoa! That right? is quirky. Whoa! And now the third uh, facet of your character. We're going to get to this in the text, but the quirk of your ex-wife that you find repellent to the point where you dream of burning her alive. Oh, this that's, that's this is a one hundred and one building a character. Yep. Yes. Okay. So I'm going to roll. That is three. I've rolled three threes in a row. Uh, so your your ex wife has slightly more hair on her left arm than right. Oh. And, uh, 
So this is why you want to uh, ligature strangle her and then burn her alive. You know, <laughs> that, sounds, in there. that sounds like a thing where, you know, Jerry would break up with her on Seinfeld, <laughs> not uh, right. not ligature uh, strangle her. Kramer asked for her number after that. Um, <laughs> so, yeah, fun. Uh, and then the last the last thing, this is what you uh, this is what you uh, sing to the heavens when you go out to the desert to burn, burn uh, sex toys. Uh, it's an ironic product jingle. Um, three again. Wow, I've got a weighted dice. So you sing the Ken Alration theme song. Oh, uh, yeah. Or the dog food from the from the 60s that my dad, for some reason, would sing all the time. Uh, my dog's bigger than your dog. So, yeah, let's go over that one more time. You're a part-time middle school, middle school janitor who uh, interacts with uh, plastic surgeons who are ironically victims of botched plastic surgery and dreams about burning your wife alive because she has more hair on her left arm than her right. And uh, as you as you ignite her body, you would sing a dog food jingle. Uh, am I a uh, jocular janitor or a jejun janitor? <laughs> Clearly, <laughs> we need to start padding the alliteration yeah. on and stat. Sure, I'm sure that someone uh, with better skills than us could probably just do a uh, alliteration janitor, like tell it how many words you want and uh, the letter it starts with, and then you could get a, a Sean Penn sentence. Ooh, and we should do, uh, you know, the rap battle show, uh, alliteration battle <laughs> with celebrities. Uh, so yeah, I'll post this for everybody else, and you can you can make your own and write a write a book of uh, story if that show inspires you. But uh, so Wait, yeah, is, the, is that the uh, I hear the sound of the uh, uh, the pale Dodge Charger or whatever going through the in the is. background? You just, you just pop pop some old people, and then I, no Shaggy though. Which uh, is a uh, my uh, next thing, I, I wonder if this came up with uh, listeners and who are actually reading the book. Um, we have to talk about his commas. Okay. Uh, Are you, is this a, this is a bugaboo with me after, <laughs> after having been, you know, copy edited and I'm sure you were too. I, I think I used to be an offender and I probably still am when I revert of just putting commas in where it's really not necessary. And okay. once you notice it, it's kind of that thing where when I was in college, I used to annoy classmates by going, do you ever notice how every three sentences he pauses and like touches his ear. It's like, no, I've never <laughs> noticed that. And then once they do, it's like, man, why did you point that out to me? Right. Don't uh, think of an elephant. What are you thinking about? Yeah. Uh, so these commas, here's a, just an example. Although he lives alone, comma, it is Bob's perception that he wakes to his ex-wife, comma, and to their speechless marriage each morning. Every night, comma, he goes to bed alone, quoting, comma, and then it goes on. But I, I believe none of those commas are at all necessary. Grammatically required? Wow. All and they, right. they well, don't, in, uh, you know, they don't increase the uh, ability to understand what's happening. They, they are distracting. Um, so I just, if somebody else is a, uh, a copy editor or something, tell me if I'm dead wrong or whether I'm on to something. Sure. Does this increase the readability of the uh, of the difficult to read book, or does, or is it just adding to it, um, or just you know maybe it's another way to just pad out the page count? <laughs> yeah, boy, that's a that's a tough way to do it, but uh, <laughs> hey, whatever works. Uh, so yeah, the, he goes on to describe his his ex wife, um, who says he he still is uh, wakes up every morning dreaming that she's still in bed next to him, and uh, he describes her thusly. Uh, a small booger flopping, flittering, and fluttering like a carburetor valve backward and forward in her nostril with every breath in and out. A woman so cynical she doesn't understand the meaning of her favorite songs. So my, my takeaway was, so you're a, you're a fan of this woman. Um, 
So he just lists these things that he hates about her and then uh, says it's impossible for him not to consider ligature strangulation, droplets of gasoline ignited one by one, the stink of her burning flesh and affirmations of anguished screams. Um, and this is <laughs> this is grim, of course, and it's even more grim if you if you can you Google him and he had uh, assault charges by Madonna dropped from the D.A., that, yeah. are, that are very grim if you look them up. I don't want to talk about them on here, but like, so it just, you know, it's like, sure, it's a fictional book, but sometimes you just, uh, you might get a little glimpse of the of the actual guy, you know, behind it. I don't know. I'm not here to cast aspersions, but the, the other stuff online was pretty grim. Yeah. You know, it's, it's that thing you kind of wonder when, a, when an actor keeps going towards particular <laughs> roles and you're like, is, right. this, uh, is this something you just like, or is this the only thing offered to you? I don't know. Right. Sure. Um, uh, the he, one... Here's the thing I need help on. And I thought, I wish we had Sarah Silverman on speed dial because this seems like <laughs> he, he refers to her chub and red hair. Yes. I, I don't know what that means. And I didn't want to look it up because it feels like I don't, I wouldn't know how to search what that means. Sure. It could be bad news. Uh, I assumed it just meant her, her rotundness. Um, but, you know, her chubbiness. But it is one sentence set apart, so it's her chub and red <laughs> hair. I, I, yeah, that's what I settled on is the least that, like, she was just, yeah, she was a chub. Yeah. And had but, red hair. Um, but anyway. Yeah, a, a, a grim portrait of this woman who, who then goes to uh, have her own little quirk where she wins uh, money in the divorce. She purchased an ice cream truck and uh, cruises the the upper end of Sweet Dog Lane in seeming avoidance of a direct encounter with Bob. And I was like, well, that seems like a very wise idea to uh, avoid the man who wakes up every morning dreaming of setting you on fire. Um, I don't think that she's the bad guy here, but I was glad that she had her own uh, character quirk as well. Winning a ice cream truck uh, in a divorce is... is <laughs> yeah. Um, here's a, a thing that made me think the fanfic, I don't know which way this is going to go. Is it going to be hard or extremely easy based on this sentence about her? One who concentered candy smells to her crevices in the mm -hmm. self-objectification seeking, that's a hyphenated word, of every <laughs> random man's desire. This pursuit outweighed even her own existence in any actual elation that life might otherwise offer. That's just, uh, I, <laughs> see folks, this is why this is hard. But when you're yeah. writing fanfic, I don't know. I don't, I don't right. think you have to make any sense. <laughs> and so it's, I, it could be very easy to fool anyone by just writing, you know, like self-objectification self seeking as one word. Yeah. Come, so is that on, just sort man. of like implying that, you know, he's calling her a, you know, she, she was unfaithful. She was trying to seduce men. She's the, she's, you know, Bob perceives her as a, uh, I don't know, as a, you know, slut, I guess. But concentered candy smells to her crevices. That's just, <laughs> that's a whistleblow and just everybody off the field, I think. At that point. <laughs> and, you know, she's trying to, if she's putting candy smells in her crevices, sure, that's, that's, I mean, any man will admit that's, of course, alluring. Uh, but then, you know, the, the, the flapping booger like a carburetor valve might be the, uh, that might be the first line of defense um, to, to get past. Like that would be, that would be tough to ignore. Uh, when, when she's at a bar, you can see that, you know, two guys, one elbows, the other one and like, check out her chub and red hair. <laughs> so, and then when they find out she's concentered candy smells to her crevices, look out brother. <laughs> yeah, exactly. He's like, you know, I know I promised I'd give you a ride home, man, but you got to take one for the team. 
the one the one thing that I I I notice on this it was another thing that I like and this makes you sort of dislike uh, a little bit more was there's 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 hints of Tom Waits here. Um, I've got a selection of uh, Frank's Wild Years isolated that I want to play. Oh, okay. His wife was a spent piece of used jet trash, made good Bloody Marys, kept her mouth shut most of the time, had a little chihuahua named Carlos that had some kind of skin disease and was totally blind. <clears throat> and and so that has sort of some similar, you know, it's got like those, the characters that I, that I invented for you there. And later on, it's revealed that uh, when the, the next door neighbor is, is letting her dog do her business, it's a chihuahua as well. So like I said, I, it doesn't make me think less of it because... Sean Penn is doing it artlessly and cynically, but uh, it just it, it sprang to mind. Yeah, my uh, my boys used to because they're bigger fans of Tom Waits than I. Uh, although I in, in my youth I listened to a lot of them and then it kind of dr- drifted away from him. But they will play the game of just inventing Tom Waits lyrics, you know, right. while, while we're driving places or whatever or having a beer. They'll they'll just start doing it, and uh, it's a rather charming game. It's a fun. It's sure. a fun thing where you're affectionate about, you can kind of, you know what Tom Waits is all about and you can come up with him easily because he has a distinct style, but there's a, there's a charm to that, a ragged charm to be sure. <laughs> but, uh, there's, there's, this just lacks any bit of charm to me. Anyway. Sure. Yeah. I, uh, and the fact that this is in a, a chapter about working as a carny, uh, drives that point home as well. Uh, cause that's very much a, uh, his aesthetic. Yeah. Um, I have a sentence that I, I penciled Tice next to with a question mark. Oh. Uh, ah, but when these considerations tickle the tumult of actionability, only then does he relinquish their delicious danger and find himself buoyantly liberated to move away from the definitively empty bed. It was just the <laughs> tickle the tumult of actionability. Sounds very, like, I don't think he knows what that means. Uh, no. I, don't, I... I mean, no one knows what it means, but... <laughs> But it seems like he just, he used, uh, you know, the alliteration and then just hoped that the word tumult somehow meant what he kind of vaguely thought it might have meant. Yes, very much. And, and, you know, maybe his wife used to call him a slut. <laughs> right. And that could be why he's having all these fantasies. Yeah, Tice would have used two two alliterations and moved on, like left it well enough alone. Um, and God, I miss him. <laughs> <laughs> There is some other alliterations in this chapter, hence his life remains incessantly infused with her identity and fidelity and her abhorrent ascensions to those constant salacious sessions of sexual solitaire she'd seen as self-regard. Yeah, Uh, here's one where I just think like every single word use is just a little bit wrong. Open the gun safe in his garage and transfer the wood-handled mallet of his prior evening's exercise from Clorox bucket to water billeted brazier. Yeah, it's just I, I don't, what's what's <laughs> happening. Why can't you just tell us what's happening? Right. And that's before you sort of understand what he's doing with that. The mallet that he's he's using that mallet to knock people on the head to kill them. And I guess he's disinfecting it for. So he's he's always a serial killer, really. Um, yeah, he's and he's taking those those precautions of the self-aware serial killer. But yeah, I thought a brazier was like a grill. So I was like, is he burning the evidence? But it seems like he has one particular mallet from his carny days that he's attached to. Yeah, I, and water billeted brazier is a. Th- I, I cannot. Can anyone picture that? <laughs> just off the top of your head, you got one. You know, a water billeted brazier. <laughs> that was the uh, that was this year's instant pot. The the Christmas gift that everyone had to have. <laughs> 
Um, but so it goes into a little background of Bob's childhood. Uh, he was, uh, you know, every sign is there that he's going to grow up to be a, a serial killer. He's sort of this weird little detached, unpopular kid that in his spare time uh, builds Molotov cocktails and throws them like into the river. Um, yeah, which that a question for me on that one. He says other times he'd go out to the river basin and throw homemade bombs off throughout 180 Bridge. Molotov cocktails were preferable, meaning there were a bunch of other bombs not mentioned. <laughs> what, what were they? What was That's happening? Right. I mean, clearly there would there would be like state militia involved in finding this guy. Right. Well, he's got you know the uh, your your standard uh, Batman round bomb with the the fuse coming out yeah. of it. He's he's got like the the, the bullet bill style ones from Mario that he could do like that. Just and then your your Molotov cocktail. He's got German bottle grenades, but uh, <laughs> but he prefers the Molotovs. Yeah. Um, and it, it says that he was a uh, he, his boyhood essence set him up for a separation from time, synergy, and social mores leading him to acts of indelicacy, wounding words, and woeful whimsy that he himself would come to dread. So he's a dick, was my <laughs> takeaway there. Right, yeah. So we're not, doesn't seem like we're expected to like this guy we're going to be spending 160 pages with. Um, we're not going to like him, but whatever, usually that technique in a book to sort of brutally satirize someone is someone then that people will recognize and go, yeah, you're right. You know, if you're doing a grotesque parody of someone you dislike, but I have no idea who he's supposed to be or what kind of person. So whatever this stinging satire of an, of an American guy is, I have no idea who he's going after. No, the, the, I, I tried to picture, you know, what he was, what we were supposed to be taking away. There's a scene later on where the guy um, like Coulier or Coulter comes to his house and he leaves. And then he says, Bob sat motionless on his couch for several hours. And so I was like, is he just supposed to be like the guy, you know, the uh, Anton Sugar or like a guy in Breaking Bad who's, you know, just this unstoppable killer who, you know, he's a side character. So you never learn anything about his motivation or what he does when he's not trying to track someone down and kill them or like in a Fargo type of show. That's what I my takeaway was. There's no there's no here nor there of like what he's doing when he's not doing this sort of performative um serial killer type of bit uh that was my takeaway i but yeah so no sympathy no no uh, no real life counterpart only uh, other characters and other better things <laughs> yeah she's just a, a monstrous killing machine um gross and and hateful um but i you know i didn't immediately get that it really is only after reading it a couple times you're like i, I kind of see what he's going for here but it's mm -hmm. just Larding it up with all these uh, failed techniques really makes it hard to get to that. <laughs> well, he he goes on a delightful anecdote about Cowboy and Jemima. Oh, boy. This one. <laughs> did you have the same little bit of, uh, what's uh, what's happening here? Yeah. And, it, you know, something comes up later that made me uh, made me think that there was a, a little undercurring theme. But, yeah, it's Cowboy was a. A, a guy that he admired. Uh, he would go out to do sanitation work with him as an 11 year old. But uh, Cowboy uh, was a guy who th th this, this is where the first footnote came in. Cowboy would uh, come out of this uh, trailer that he was in with Jemima uh, wearing only an oversized cowboy shirt. She'd firm warmly wave them off to work in the fore arc. And that's yeah. where we got our, our first footnote. And the footnote is. The San Joaquin Valley sits beneath between an oceanic trench and a volcanic arc, geologically determining that real estate of four arc. And so this is my reaction to that. And it, it works for just about every footnote in this book. 
uh okay <laughs> right <laughs> uh yeah i mean david foster wallace he is not let's get that out of, <laughs> out of the way immediately yeah um i i have always resented footnotes in almost any work especially when the footnotes are half a page and the mm-hmm. it's just like why is it my job to incorporate this into your prose like right do the work do the do the work of and why are you making me jump my eyes? This is not an academic text. Yes. Uh, the footnotes there only if later you want to check on it as you're doing your your research. But uh, come on, man, knock it off with the footnotes. Yeah, it's a a lot of people wrote and said that they had never even seen him in fiction before, and I guess you know that's a uh, that's a good thing because they do really sort of just they they call attention to to your stylistic choice, which is not something you really want to do. Uh, yeah, you you read up to a line. This next line I I wrote. Did Sarah Silverman ghost write this line? <laughs> uh, yep, cowboy was one squared away individual with his shit forever together. Wow. Yeah, it's just kind of an, <laughs> an annoying turn on that one. Yes, but uh, but cowboy uh, is a short lived character. It says with cowboy serving a state imposed sentence for statutory stimulations and locked in stir. Bobby, 11-year-old, turned his thoughts to her, that beautiful black girl, Jemima, the one the neighbors had now branded as a whore. So it's just a fun little fun little passage here. He thought of her beauty and the lure of her shaved and shapely cinnamon sticks. Yeah. All right. So we got cinnamon, <laughs> Jemima, whore. What are, what are your what are your thoughts here, uh, Sean? Yeah, exactly. And then he, there's a later there's a later thing coming up. So just put a pin in that, and we'll, we'll come back to it when he indicates that a that a character had no interest in the underage um, in the underage ladies. Just it might it might be a case of of protesting protesting too much. Yeah. Um. So he goes on to uh, take employment as a kid carny in local fairs and carnivals, which I thought was good because it would be weird if he became a kid carny at the uh, Macy's makeup department or. <laughs> right. In the local soup kitchen, yeah, <laughs> and uh, he, the uh, like he goes on to say that's where he got his he got his mallet from the test the strength game. Um, it says I'm not sure what's next, but he goes on back to the branding rants. It says Bob, like any man, was introduced to evolving nemeses that began innocently enough with an opposing neighborhood's militia of dirt-clawed warriors and later graduated to the manipulations of mind mandated by a green-grabbing media. So, I'm going to put you on the spot here. Yeah. In this book, is the media going to be a a benevolent uh, force for good that has, uh, you know, sometimes has flaws but is really out there working for, or is the media going to be bad? <laughs> I... <laughs> I'm 50-50. Uh, I, I think it could go either way. It's uh, it's going to be a subtle pastiche. I I don't know. <laughs> um, I had that singled out because the the in the middle of it the uh, the sentence uh, Bob like any man was introduced to, to and then that horrible sure. torrent of words sure. and I, yeah. that that's a universal thing you know. Yep. Come on, we're both guys here. <laughs> we, we both were introduced to evolving nemeses that began innocently enough with the opposing neighbor's militia of dirt clawed war. Come on, guys, right? Right. Yes, exactly. From uh, blue collar uh, guy at the VFW to uh, your your Wall Street futures weather's trader. That's uh, something that was a universal experience. Yeah, it basically is a synonym for we all put our pants on one leg at a time, right? Right. Just like any woman out there is familiar with shaved cinnamon sticks. <laughs> 
Uh, this and then coming up very soon here, I believe the first time we are explicitly called out as sheeple. Oh my god! I think all of us are. And here's the sentence. If the hope of an individual seeking human connection is to merge his or her mind's pursuit with the common interests of society, they might soon find themselves shorn while crooning Ba Ba Bilderberg. <laughs> that Oof. was amazing. I, I I gave it an interrobang, a literal wake up sheeple. <laughs> yeah. It's amazing. Oh like, for that to be a uh, you know, a a a cliche. You know, 15 years in the making. I don't know when the first sheeple ever raised its head, but it's, uh, you know, you can't say that online without mocking people who would have said that 10 years ago. So that was very funny to see in print. Yeah, but it, it just stings that he thinks my seeking human connection is to merge my mind's pursuit with the common interests of society. <laughs> I mean, come on, man. Is that how you look at me? I think it stings that he 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 has has rendered me just because I write manifestos about the Bilderbergs as a sheeple. <laughs> like this is actual stuff that's happening, and I don't appreciate that smear. Oh well, so that's yeah the first slap across our face. But I, I kept <laughs> reading on, even though I was a little stung by it. Uh, this one was good. This is something that might be a a robot pimp disdainfully type of thing. Just add this add this on to any anything in this chapter. Somewhere in the spaces of time, like the expanding and contracting fissures in hardened earth, sharply worn by millenniums of moisture, it seemed mankind had traded truth for treachery, both religious and commercial. And I added in, the 11-year-old realized. <laughs> yeah. Um, now he gets into this thing, and I don't have a lot of other notes because I don't want to spend too much time on it, but maybe you've pulled <laughs> stuff out of this. Just all the talk about the layers of soil and the pathogens oh, and the yeah I, yeah I, I don't what's going on here? What is that supposed so, to be? So this is something about his his uh his knowledge of septic systems and stuff. Yeah. So this is his quirky career, as we've established. He's able to uh, look at a house and and have understanding of where the plumbing is going to be and how that will leak out of it. He is. Um, it said almost without effort could Bob synthesize civilian architecture, um, which reminded me of how one of the sons in Royal Tenenbaums as an 11 year old has a preternatural understanding of international finance, which <laughs> again is meant to be funny in that, but it's uh... right. So yeah, he's sizing up the soil of these things, but then it, it ties it into, I did not understand this. There was a sentence from a Sunday sermon that had struck out to Bob from the basic precepts of Jehovah's witnesses who had built their system of belief and practice from the raw material. That phrase had summoned in him the singular entrepreneurial interest in isolating those churches' investment in his septic services as a pumper. I just didn't understand it. I didn't understand that. And continuing on, right after you stopped there, this had kept him far from the branding crowd and the technological yep. advances of social indulgence so circuitously enslaving <laughs> those more supple of skin. Bob kept his skin supple on the work site with latex gloves. I, I, a joke? This would be, a, as a teacher, like a, a see me and a call to parents. <laughs> I, I, what is uh, this? I don't know what the say, uh, supple gloves meant. I thought about of mice and men, where the guy has that glove of Vaseline. I didn't know what the supple crowd meant if that was not Jehovah's Witnesses. I don't have a, a strong opinion or stereotype about their skin suppleness or lack thereof. I, I don't either. And I don't, was he talking about them? 
they, they, this had kept him far from the branding crowd. Mm. Who's the branding crowd? <laughs> I don't know, but a couple sentences earlier, he had, he had, uh, he had printed, uh, branding is being exclamation mark. Branding is being. So I guess that's the chant of the branding crowd. Um, okay. And here, sure. just, just more madness, people. Just bear with me. This is this chapter's almost over. Paired with an extraordinary auditory augmentation efficiency that came to Bob in equal parts handy and haunting. More on that anon. Oh, good, <laughs> I might say to myself. His engineering acumen was unparalleled. What does an extraordinary auditory augmentation efficiency mean? Uh, I mean, hearing aid? Uh, extraordinary auditory augmentation efficiency so he's good he's he's he doesn't waste money on hearing aids i don't i don't know <laughs> he you know some they have those like replaceable ones like my contacts are monthly contacts but i don't replace i don't replace them every month because that's ridiculous i keep them clean so i'm i'm efficient in my ocular augmentation oh okay there you go Sure. <laughs> uh, but, uh, but it gets better by identifying where urine and feces fell and its storage systems size design and placement, especially where gravity systems are employed. Oh, well, thank you for that parenthetical. <laughs> I was, he could mentally x-ray the interior of a building simply by observing its exterior. So it's a, a superpower of knowing where urine and feces fell. Yeah. Again, I, am, I, am I laughing? Am I revolted? <laughs> Help me out, Sarah Silverman. Help me out. I know where some feces fell. It was on the blank pages of Bob Honey who do stuff. Pappy had first scrawled this on a wall in a, <laughs> uh, a shack somewhere. That was what made him a pariah. He was asked to leave the nursing home. <laughs> uh, the, yeah, I don't know. I mean, I guess it's supposed to be funny. Any character who works with uh, plumbing is obviously uh, deserving of our contempt, and uh, it will make anything else in their life um, you know, hilarious because they, they do things that we don't want to. I guess that's the takeaway. Yeah, it's as funny as the honeymooners, right? He was a the secondary character. Art Carney was a sewage worker, I believe. Ah. And sure. it's just inherently funny. You're right. <laughs> uh, this was one, my last thing of this chapter was uh, um, I got, got a little insight into this character. I, I got a little nickname for Bob Honey. Uh, his childhood's fear of foreign wars and messianic maniacs, real and imagined, had developed into an ultraviolent skepticism toward the messaging and mediocrity of modern times. And in opinions of morality, religion, politics, and science, would he increasingly consider the possibility, all caps, everybody else is wrong. So I, I just named... Off the top of my head, I just came up with a fun little nickname for him. I'm going I'm to call him Colden Hawfield. <laughs> he's, an, he's an original character, and he's just he hates all these fakers and phonies in modern society. And I, it seems like that just is a name that sprung to mind. I don't know where it came from. Colden Hawfield. And his friend, uh, Zachley, who uh, or his roommate. And you have a roommate named Ackley. I remember him always going, you're, you're a real prince, Ackley. <laughs> Great. <laughs> Yeah, so maybe maybe he'll make make that acquaintance uh, in in Iraq or something. Mm-hmm. But yep, so a, a grim character and seems derived from many other better sources. But um, we can move on to chapter three. Yes, indeed. Now he's he's getting out his satirist pen. He's sharpening up the. <laughs> he's uh, dipping it in the ink. He is ready to go. This is this is I think the cliche of Sean Penn here. This is what you assumed a lot of the book would be, and you're going to get it in spades, baby. Oh boy! Uh, yeah, kick us off. Well, uh, let's see. Oh, here's the first sentence. He's he's uh, he's flying into um, 
Baghdad. Yeah. In chapter three, ephemeral, ephemerally disarmed. Is yes. Bob traveled to Baghdad during the holiday season of 2003. Halfway through, so they, they have to corkscrew their landing. Halfway through the corkscrew, two of the terrified aid workers aboard succumbed to its strain and torque, spontaneously regurgitating in barf that boomeranged back into their own faces. Bob sighed as the suffocating stench consumed the cabin. And, uh, you know, that, that's what I do when I see people vomit <laughs> into their own faces next to me. I go, oh, boy. <laughs> oh brother <laughs> this again <laughs> <Right>. <laughs> it's a norman situation <laughs> oh boy yeah uh what do you got uh, he he caught himself humming uh the chorus of outcast bombs over baghdad his limited awareness was popular music was such that all rip hip-hop and rap sounding songs were to his knowledge from a black band called tupac oh yeah Ooh. so i don't know you know, it's not. You can you can have characters who are who are racist uh, without you being racist, but usually you're 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 want some goodwill to have been earned from that point of view. But that is a uh, it is a all this sounds the same. It's uh it's this isn't music. It's just a bunch of talking. Yeah, that uh, that didn't strike me as once again when the when the satire is is so puzzling and everything. All you can do is I'm I can only look back at you, Sean Penn. You you haven't you haven't earned this stuff. I can only uh, give a questioning little hmm back back to you. <laughs> sure, but then he uh, so he 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 calls out uh, Outcast and and Tupac, you know, who both you know both are among the more lyrical. Uh, hip hop artists of the '90s, and then he then he adds on some of his own poetry. After that, I'll just I'll just read it aloud. In a distant desert darkness, towers descend into black. Vapors of Iraqi oil burn like floating fires atop of their black night-bended stacks. As carbon dioxide poisoning purities es escalate war, chemically charged coloring surre surrealizes sunsets galore. I don't know what that's doing there, what it belongs there, whether that's him quoting somebody else like he does later, whether that's original. Um, but it certainly did, uh, putting each of those on their own lines, did uh, pad out the book a bit further. I confess, I was derelict in my duty. I looked at that thing and I just went, I, I'm not going to. I'm not going to type it, it in and search. I'm just going to go past it. Sure. <laughs> I had hoped maybe you, I assumed it was not from uh, either Outcast or Tupac. <laughs> no, no, I don't think so. Um, but the, uh, I, we did a uh, recent event like here, I, I, a bad poetry night. And uh, so I wrote, a, I wrote a bad poem, which if you're trying to write a bad poem, it's pretty easy to write a bad poem that sounds like someone trying to write a good poem. Um, if you're not concerned at all about, presenting something good to the world so i'll upload that at some point in time and people can can size up sean penn's poetry versus versus mine because you know it, i touched on some similar thing some similar themes in mine um without without meaning it to be good so uh people can judge how how i did oh great interesting yeah yeah um so he goes to we're not entirely sure yet why he's in iraq right i i don't know okay no I, I, yeah, I don't know. He he ends up getting an assignment there, but I'm not sure what he was there to do. Now, then there's a... It's not easy to read, but for a while, there are events happening, at least, mm -hmm. which yeah. is, a, is a, you know, in, a, in some ways, mildly refreshing or not refreshing, maybe just slightly encouraging. Like, okay, maybe this is going to take a linear turn here. Um, and so we get to a thing where he's uh, accosted by these these people. Uh, I'll just read it. Um, avoiding an escalation of scuffle, the Arabic monolinguists radioed their dutiful dragoman, 
That's when the New Guineans arrived and took jurisdictional control. There can be no wiggle room on the facts. Fact, Mm -hmm. grass-skirted Guineans patrolled and protected corporate sites on the streets of Baghdad following the shock and awe campaign of... So then we're just in a totally different, totally different area then. And it was just so disarming, like, damn it, man, you were telling something that was actually happening. And, yeah. then, he, and then he stops and he goes and describes whales for 100 pages again, <laughs> basically. Yeah, but in a in a very weird, uh, you know, if he was talking about like, here's a little known fact about whales, like they're the only other creature who can um, do math. And this was studied by Professor Phineas T. Brinkridge and like made up some some nonsense that's meant yeah. to be satire, I suppose. Because, yeah, he's talking about how they got New Guineans to come, you know, essentially. So he's they're they're uh, B-movie head shrinkers, essentially, in, in this world. Yep. Uh, he recruits them to come uh, to Baghdad to patrol because they're the only people that the Iraqis or the Taliban will be scared of. Yeah, well, maybe I can make it clearer (laughs) with this sentence. And so began the peregrination of tribal ops to contract in Iraq with Spirian flair, grass skirts, and bare feet. Ah, thank you. I must have glossed over that. Yeah. I reevaluate in a whole new light what has just happened here. I hope that makes it clear, yes. Uh, With that Baghdad evening's chorus of crackety-crack percussion from long barrel volleys exchanging in purlieu the rhythm of multiple mosques, calls to prayer, and the occasional ominous offstage acatacolo of ill-tempered ordinance. And it continues on, but I am not going to. <laughs> so I hope that's clear, everyone. And so what's going on here is another thing you could recognize things that are better that he's going for. And it's I guess it's that weird sort of um, surreal satire of... Uh, you know the, the your Delillos, uh, your Pinchins, your yeah. Uh, yeah, like the you know the the in Infinite Jest there are these huge like radioactive feral hamsters that are roaming the Canadian border like that sort of thing like they're an aside but it's uh, so it makes me upset about that but I also just realize it's a it's a hacky version of that so it doesn't. Uh, I, I don't know how to put my finger on what he's meant to be going for here from a literary technique other than just like throwing that at you and being like, uh-huh, like get it. <laughs> yeah. I've, I've read some stuff with, uh, you know, what's the, the, um, you know, the, the fantasy stuff being brought into, uh, you magical know, realism, magical realism. Sorry. Yeah. Uh, a little, just a, a soup song of, of magical realism thrown in just to show like, I, I know what I'm doing here. I got you covered. Right. But done this would be so a, uh, poorly. This would be a visually interesting thing in the trailer for the movie of this book that they will never make, God willing. Yeah. Um, and then he goes on describing their freshly slaughtered chickens and their tawi, a red fruit yeah. indigenous to New Guinea. Like, okay. I mean, <laughs> I, I feel like he pulled in a, a thing that he then he quickly got out of control and then he kept writing about the New Guineans. Like, <laughs> right. <laughs> Look, we we don't care either way. You can stop describing down to the the uh, molecule how they act when they're in Baghdad. I don't need it. Right. It was it was on the verge of spinning off into its own book. It sounded like, and then it got reined back in. Pappy Pappy had to uh, had to go to the early bird dinner, so he uh, wasn't able to finish writing it that day. Yeah, Sean like roughly tapped him on the shoulder. Pappy, 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 get get back to uh, the Baghdad. What, Sean? What? The Baghdad stuff. Pappy. I'm writing. Happy the Baghdad stuff. I'm writing about branding. <laughs> Tell my grandchildren to call. 
the other thing you 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 gave it a you gave it a, a okay, and that was my response to his his footnote about shock and awe, which I it, it's it's not worth delving into. But I just I read that it was a long footnote. It was probably five lines long, and I finished it, and I said, uh, okay. Yeah, it was about sort of how the media didn't invent the term shock and awe, even though it seemed like they might have. That was actually a military term for doing what everyone understood it to to be referring to. Yeah, I didn't understand that either because I don't <laughs> I don't I never thought it was a media term. I believe that was the uh, is an old term. And I think they just used it as that's the initial part of a campaign. It's called shock and awe. I mean, I think in World War One, that's what they would do. Just ordinance for a long time to. Uh, to actually drain the enemy's will to fight. Yeah. All right. Well, thanks, Sean. Good, uh, good uh, Wikipedia text for us there in the in the context of your book. Uh, we get a lot more alliteration. Uh, read a couple uh, couple choice uh, segments with oh, government. I know, I know what okay. you're going to do. I got it written, so I just want to put my finger on it and see if I was right. Go ahead. All right, I've got I've got three. So with government gifting grandly to these corporate gunslingers, be they of guts or greed, uh, two. Bob would leave in Bolden, not as an entrepreneur, but as a fresh recruit to a program sublimely suited to society's solitary men. I assume they mean Neil Diamond by that. Uh, graduated our traveler from his personal practice of practical patriotic vigilanteism. Did I, did I get it? Uh, you have a different one? I do. Wow. All right. Hit me. Rather than linger in lengthy lines, Waiter would make the long trek through the Anbar province, buying oh. one precarious leader at a time along the way from the black market boys of Fallujah and Ramadi. Waiter's whimsy for wheeling Wahhabist roadways was unsettling to his white war zone passenger. Go yeah. to hell. I had every W circled there, and that was just towards the end of the chapter, and I ran out of energy to transcribe. Yeah. But that's one that at least in that one he it's what like we said the uh, the Mr. Woodcock theorem he gave the guy that name in order to yes. make the alliteration work. <laughs> yeah. God. Yeah, it's the uh Mr. Bat Guano in uh you know if that really is your name <laughs> which is a terrible you can't do that. Is that Dr. Strangelove? Dr. Strangelove, yes. Yeah, right, exactly. Uh but I uh, have the feeling that we're not going to be seeing too much of waiter later. Uh, unintentional there. Sorry. Uh, it did remind me. So just the, the artlessness of this, I have a, my, my final drop of the day. I would like to play. Uh, it's from, uh, V for Vendetta, which I've never seen, but I remember a friend saw it. He's like, yeah, there was these cool scenes where like the, the guy would show up and he would just, you know, say all these alliterative sentences back to back. Um, so I finally looked it up for this book and it was just as annoying as, as that sounds. Let's listen to that. Voila! In view, a humble vaudevillian veteran, cast vicariously as both victim and villain by the vicissitudes of fate. This visage, no mere veneer of vanity, is a vestige of the vox populi, now vacant, vanished. However, this valorous visitation of a bygone vexation stands vivified and has vowed to vanquish these venal and virulent vermin, vanguarding vice and vouchsafing the violently vicious and voracious violation of volition. Ooh, yeah. Yeah, it was bad. Um, but so that's, you know, that was movie probably came out 15 years ago. Um, and I think that was based on a comic book from earlier. So um, it's been done, as they say. Yeah. Uh, so the the last thing I have, um, if you've got anything else, is how the chapter ends. No, I don't have anything. Uh, it's talking about the the neighbor. It says she'd, she'd satisfied the ire of her Snoopy suspicions by making a point of walking her chihuahua, Nikki, by his house, eagerly encouraging Nikki to do his business there on his lawn. There is karma in this world. 
It can't always be understood, but in 2016, it would put on quite a show. And so I just I just wrote, strap in, folks, because we're about to get his opinions on <laughs> on the state of the world today. And I, <laughs> if the if the first three chapters are any indication, it's going to be insufferable. Because I, you know, I I I I am able to surmise what his opinion is going to be. But this book came out a year ago, and like. I feel like more than any any other time we're we're in a day where things have things move pretty fast and you know quickly get one upped and 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 the news cycle moves on. So anything that was written a year ago about things that had happened a year before that is going to be a uh, it's not going to be something I really want to read, especially if it's written by Sean Penn. Yeah, old hot takes are going to be a, a <laughs> little tough to uh, exactly lukewarm takes. Yield, yeah, yeah. <laughs> So yeah, that's going to be whenever we get to that chapter, the uh, the mind drumpf. I feel like we're going to be in for some good stuff. Would you like to read some fan fiction, Mike? Oh, please. <laughs> okay. All right. I'm ready. I don't have my pencil. I'm a little worried. Uh-oh. Oh boy! Wow. Yeah. This one's going to be interesting. This one doesn't have. I mean, this one doesn't have the the go to things that we found in, in the last couple of books. So, and, and people are just read the first few chapters. They, they're still finding their, their stride and we're learning his style. So we'll, we'll see. We'll see how it goes. All right. Number one, settling into the couch's dull embrace, he surveils through the strategic slice parting the picture window curtains. On Sweet Dog Lane, a pair of pubescently paralyzed pixies in spaghetti straps and one oaf in practical full dress for animal containment, Garrison Greens, lumber up the Mayo household tarmac. Bob hunkers in serenely expectant stasis, unexposed Viet Cong. The unlikely heroes transmit a disturbance to the Pella-branded door, a demand for canine surrender, and a fear of the greater good. Oh, I'm going to say that's real. All right. Uh, Let's see. Number two, advertising. Bob's albatross. His burden least benign. Its way of sanctioning ego and deceit. The transparent greed of it. Its saturation of popular imagery, his sense of a malignant mass amnesia that has been welcomed by the worms among us into social acceptance like a creeper in the night. A country so marketed into madness, manipulated and aghast, now comes it into craze this ubiquitous shock and dismay while witnessing fellow citizens fall witlessly to fascist forays. Oh, see, this is hard. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, because this could be a uh, this could be your 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 eighteen year old guy on a college campus with his table handing out pamphlets, or it could be a uh, New York Times bestseller. Uh just uh, I don't know. Just playing the odds, I'm going to say that's fanfic. Okay, uh, number three. Ever wonder if there is too much information out there on the net? People used to have to work for knowledge, to bear a passing resemblance to a confiscated culture unbeknownst to them, a device used to make people more learn, more learned, save for the majority of patrons perusing the swaths of the info web to look up cat pictures all day. Uh, I don't know. I'm going to say it's real. I don't know. I'm throwing up my hands on this one. This is Yeah, tough. they're all just, they're, uh, they're weird rants, especially because there's no characters or um, plot to speak of so far. Number four, bip, bop, boop. Three more of Scottsdale's gray beards and blue hairs are off to the great beyond. But those singing, swaying syllables still careen through Bob's mind. At Kentucky Fried Chicken, we do chicken right. (laughs) Or so the belching bellicose electronic box had once bellowed. And heaven knows these chickens will come home to roost in the sweet by and by. A Pontiac roared to life, one headlight blazing, Bob's doeful duty done. 
Oh, I think that's a fanfic. It's it's good. <laughs> and uh, final one. Seldom had Bob Honey beheld a general contractor get as splenetic as the vicissitudes of their vocation as Tristan Weathercock that sweltering summer day on the Somali oil reserve along the Indian Ocean coast between the municipalities of Garad and Kismayo. Perlustrating the sanitation contract they had been handed a wink ago, it per perspicuously belied the intent that had been advertised to them. Instead of the concrete aqueduct they had so vividly conjured up over the perilous course of their 6,000-mile journey, the overhauled plans call for hollowed-out logs on stilts a mere 10 feet above the ground. Bob bluntly states what Tristan never would. It's going to be a real shit show. <laughs> <laughs> I think that's fanfic. Okay. All right. Well, let's see. Uh, number one was uh, the unexposed Viet Cong. Uh, you said that was real. It was fanfic by M. Williams. Oh, nicely done. <laughs> number two, advertising Bob's albatross. You thought that was real? I think I said fanfic, said fanfic. just because. It was real. It was real. Uh, yeah, son Damn it. That was that was the real uh, real uh, yet another screed against advertising and branding. Uh, number three, ever wonder if there is too much information out there on the net? Uh, I think you said that was real. That was fanfic. Hmm. That was uh, that was someone who took a relative's Facebook status and added in some uh, some alliteration to it. Wow. Uh, <laughs> uh, bit bop boop. Kentucky Fried Chicken. We do chicken right. I don't remember what you said, but that one was fanfic. I said fanfic on that one. Fanfic. Yeah, that was good though. I liked the because uh, that was a that was part of the character generator. Was the old. Uh, I used chicken tonight, the, uh, the, the exactly. chicken marinades instead of Kentucky Fried Chicken, but still. Uh, and then the last one was also fanfic. Uh, that one was that one was pretty unhinged, and they have you know inventing their own plot, going to Somalia for oil things, putting up on stilts. Very well done. It was fanfic, however, and I think you guessed fanfic. I did. I the the first few uh, got me. I, I found my <laughs> I found my sea legs, and uh, yeah, the last two were really good. So yeah, M. Williams did the uh, the couch watching out the window of, with pixie, paralyzed pixies and spaghetti straps. Uh, Janelle did uh, info web cat pics. Tom did beep bop boop Kentucky Fried Chicken, and Jens did the Somali coast. It's going to be a real shit show. <laughs> <laughs> oh man! Oh, good stuff, well everyone. Done, everybody, yeah, I don't know. I, I don't. I, I might try my own, but I think uh, we should we should maybe try at some point in time to to to. to parody this see how it see how it would go before it gets too far to the end yeah before i get too uh, bitter about it too, too. <laughs> um let's see so chapter four is where we sort of start to get some uh, some information about a uh, what he's been doing with these with the mallet and the pop pop and the old people and stuff like that chapter four was called the scottsdale program and we we learn what that means that has actual meaning unlike all the other uh chapter titles the scottsdale program uh, was adopted a program project adopted by the NSA, who believed in an era of globalization and internationally unbranded gen generation of seniors threatened to bleed human progress and market development dry. Um, and he goes on. The EPA's covert section, whose data concluded that the extermination of high flatulence populations, parenthetical old people, would lower levels of ozone-depleting methane, in simple language, an air grab, wherein air-polluting companies could expand production with a zero-sum exacerbation of environmental impact, a sort of sewer swap offered for the emission of one in the expulsion of the other. No harm, no foul, no fogies. Fantastic. Yeah, I noted right in this, um, there is a joke in this. I mean, obviously, this is 
This is satire, <laughs> but this one is it reads like a joke. And so if you don't mind, I'd like to read it like a Jay Leno joke, if I could. Oh, yeah, please. Okay. So you read a portion of it, but you didn't you didn't hit the punchline. I think you skipped okay. ahead. Sure. Uh, you know, uh, neutralizing pushback against the uh, program from the pharmaceutical lobby were those in the EPA's covert section whose uh, data concluded that the uh, extermination of uh, high flatulence populations would lower levels of ozone-depleting methane. Kevin, ozone-depleting methane. This would be a boon <laughs> sure. to the industry. Huh? Huh? <laughs> Wow! Yeah, that's his that's his joke. That yeah. so would be a boon to the industry. Yeah, yeah. Don't you get it? <laughs> Neutralizing pushback against the program from the pharmaceutical lobby were those in the EPA's covert section whose data concluded that the extermination oh. of high flatulence populations would lower levels of ozone depleting methane. Now that you mention it, yeah, that's uh, yeah. Now that you've explained it in theory, that it does make the joke better. Yeah, there you <laughs> I go. missed it. Oh wow. Oh, but uh, great. <laughs> uh, the, uh, the 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 yeah, like you said, it's satire though, and it sort of is a uh, it, it's not very subtle satire. No, it's it's very much um, aping um, a Jonathan Swift's modest proposal, which is you know the if if you've read any satire in any you know English class, that's the one you've read. And his uh, he sort of set out to pre um, propose that you we eat children, I guess, because they're a drain on society. And um, you know they it was just sort of she was shocking in its time, but he that was that was the core of that. I have not read it since high school, so I don't remember all the details of it. But that's about the basics, right? Yeah, I, the only thing that sticks with me is like the recipes for <laughs> for the children and their delicious fricasseed was I think a a line that oft gets quoted. So okay. that, that was my only take. That's all I remember from it as well. So this is essentially a, a moronic, cynical version of that. And uh, when you say moronic and cynical, uh, there's only only one name that comes to mind for me. And so I, I did some digging. And uh, this is this is something that uh, this guy had recently got a, a Netflix deal. He's not really making movies in, in theaters anymore, but he's he's signed a big uh, like multi-picture deal with Netflix. And I, I, I hacked into their server and discovered that they have a, a trailer for this guy's upcoming movie, uh, which is based on this uh, idea of, of killing old people to prevent them from farting. Oh, uh, cool. But you you, yeah. you hacked into Netflix's server? Yeah, I've been taking some uh, some some hacking classes on the I, side. I believe that I believe that's a felony. I, I think you, you know, <laughs> I believe there are RICO charges in that. And so, <laughs> I'm just well, warning. I'm sure you're fine, but uh, let's cut this part out. Then I mean, let's you know, we've been editing to put in the drops, and so let's just cut out the part where I confess to a felony. Can uh, we do that? Uh, uh, yeah. I mean, sure. It'd help me out, you know. Sure. Just, to not have the felony admitted on my record. I'll just just send me a, a remark. No, I'll I'll remember. Okay, okay we're, great. We're good. Sounds good. Yeah. All right. Well, let's let's roll this trailer that I attained through entirely legal means. Meet Jonathan Swift. As I've always said, when a true genius appears in this world, you may know him by this sign that the dunces are all in confederacy against him. <laughs> oh, Jonathan, he's an author, a scholar, and the foremost satirist of the 18th century. My dear, laws are like cobwebs. They may catch small flies, but let wasps and hornets break through. <laughs> quite, quite. There's just one problem. A shampoo stings when you get it in your pee-pee. His brother... 
Barney. Barney, have you seen my manuscript of Gulliver's Travels? I was out of the toilet paper, and the manuscript said, Wipe your butt with me, Barney. Oh, Barney. Why was Gulliver traveling? Why didn't he just go home? Is he too good for his home? But when a case of writer's block strikes, two brothers will learn that the greatest satire of them all is love. What do you think of my newest essay, Barney? Eat at a baby? I don't want to eat at a baby. Maybe you're right. But what should I write about instead? Incoming. Barney, you've done it again. Adam Sandler stars in A Modest Fart Frozen. Coming this summer. A turkey for you. A turkey for me. Sean Penn wrote a book about Bob Honey. It's a comedy of Brada Boot. Brob Dingy. Brob a dog. F. Brob Dingy in proportions. F. Worse than Ogden. Oh, yeah, that does. Uh... <laughs> so there, there you go. Yeah. Got a. Um... Uh, modest fart prosal is uh i mean that's how we can hopefully refer to this to this section of the book in the future if this plot remains uh remains uh going throughout the book which i i have no reason to believe it will but um we'll see um thanks to my my friend sam who uh who stepped in as uh jonathan swift he i told him i would plug his podcast he does a podcast called improvised weapons which is a D &D, uh uh, combined with improv comedy podcast that everyone should check out, Improvised Weapons. So if if he was on it, so why, why didn't he just give you a version of it instead of you hacking into... Oh, I'm sorry. I'm, oh. <laughs> we, cut, we cut that out. I'm sorry. Okay, good. Okay. Yeah. I'll explain that to you off the air. Okay. Right. <laughs> I would, he could be in a Netflix show. He could be have the role of Jonathan Swift in an Adam Sandler comedy. Of, of course, yeah, yeah. So, yeah. <laughs> um, so yeah, that's what we get. Uh, they, he provided us with a, a, a aside about kangaroo meat that he deemed interesting, a designation that I immediately questioned. Um, I don't know if that's worth dwelling on, but I guess old people were the second uh, most killed for their meat uh, thing after kangaroos because kangaroos don't produce methane. I don't know. It's uh, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> We're, we're we're already a little weary on this. Here's a sentence in this that I uh, I mean this is the one you you just called out, but I I want invited this to roast forever in hell. <laughs> and as a result, in the prevailing portfolio of per capita killing, the flatulent and significantly unbranded elderly under the Scottsdale program were second only to sweet meat kangaroo among biped land mammals being culled. <laughs> Uh, uh, again, just, you know, not uh, giving us the meaning, the clear meaning that he's trying to do and larding it up with this stuff. It just gets so wearying. Yeah, it, especially because there's no real point to be made. Like, I mean, I guess, you know, cows and methane are in the news again, but like this is something that everyone was familiar with and um, no one really is understands whether he's being serious about kangaroos not emitting them and um, no one really cares to find out, I'm guessing. So it's yeah. bipeds. Great. Thank you. Yeah. <laughs> um, but this is this whole like op he's getting these targets from the New Guinean uh, operatives in Iraq and he calls a number and they tell him where to go with his mallet. And then he goes to pick up uh, the payment 
which is paid in single dollar bills for some reason, because I guess it's quirky. And when he goes there, everyone who's picking it up or dropping it off is wearing gorilla masks to shield the identities. Oh, God. You know what? I totally missed that. Oh, I didn't even write that down. I missed it. Yeah. It's another one that sort of is in there for color if there's ever a a, a movie of this happening. But uh, it doesn't seem to have much of a uh, much of a uh, impact. It just makes me... Um, regret the time that I wore a gorilla costume on stage at the uh, Rift Tracks show. Oh, yeah. Um, it, it, because it colors everything, doesn't it? It does sort of taint it, yes. Oh, I know why I was uh, stunned by the... I was so taken with his reference to uh, bi-monthly a Janet Jet, white, uh-huh. plain, red, stringer, no tail number, and then there's a footnote on that. So that's probably that drew me away from the oh. gorilla mask to scroll down 50 pages to get to the thing of <laughs> what's a Janet Jet. Yeah. And, and that it's it ex- just your uh, Janet is a de facto name for a small fleet of government aircraft. Janet is said to be an acronym for just another non existent terminal. Um, okay. <laughs> I'll scroll back up now. Here we go. <laughs> it really is. What a bummer. I mean, what a what a frustrating thing to do and what a easily avoidable by any uh, editor with balls to like, you know, we're not putting footnotes in this. Like imagine the fight you have to put up to make such a stylistic choice that has no positive impact on your book. Yeah, I, I mean, I for a while was entertaining the thought of uh, a sketch about the the editor, you know, like he gets the <laughs> Sean Penn, we 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 got him. He wants to write yeah. a book. We we got him, and then the the you know he turns it in, and then the phone call is just not returned, and Sean Penn <laughs> showing up at the office, and everyone like moves into the janitor's closet, like right. he's he's right outside. <laughs> Guys, <laughs> you read it. Yeah. No one Someone wants knocks to. over a mop. Yeah. yeah. Oh yeah, but uh, they clearly did not edit at all. I'm sure they just printed. They hit print. Right. Well, yeah. Well, someone edited because the Pappy Van Winkle, Pappy Pariah thing got a completely different version for the audiobook. So, you don't um, think he just went back in and said, "I just want to, you know, I want to add some uh, ribbons and curly cues and uh, yeah, they, spruce they, it up they, a bit." They gave it to him to take home, and he's like, "I'm just gonna, yeah, I'm gonna, I'm gonna, uh, you know, do some peyote, and I'll bring this back over the weekend, <laughs> yeah. and then we'll turn that'll be." <laughs> The uh, the talks about um, so this is another sort of plot point, but a guy named Spurly Coltier shows up at his door. It is late afternoon on just such a day following just such a knock. I didn't even notice the two just such as there the first time I read it. When Bob first opens the door to the gruesome burger meat grind of a face so ravaged by its history of adolescent acne that its pits and protrusions catch sharp shadows where horizontal light sneaks below his hat's brim. And I just imagine Spurly Coultier just being like, I'm just as God made me, sir. I <laughs> cannot help this. And you have not described yourself in any uh, physical thing either. So cast the first stone, you son of a bitch. Uh, I just pictured the, the, these are gigantic troughs and protrusions, pits and protrusions catch sharp shadows. Yeah, how deep is his skin here? Like, is it, you know. Gruesome <laughs> burger meat grind of a face. I mean, scream, I assume, you know, like first seeing the elephant man, you know, <laughs> drop right. drop the soup on the floor and run. Right. And, you know, if this doesn't translate into fantasies of uh, ligature strangulation and, and gasoline burning someone alive, it's a uh, brother. Like, what would? <laughs> Come on. Previously, just a, a flapping booger did that. So, 
Yeah. Um, Maybe it's because he didn't have uh, candy-scented crevices. That might have been what was uh, preventing that from happening all these years. Well, he's got a hat on, but maybe he's chub and red hair. So <laughs> chub and red hair. <laughs> the morning, uh, morning zoo. Yeah. <laughs> Um, and then he says uh, something. They 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 stand there looking at each other. I'm sure Bob Honey is just so it, uh, aghast at him. But he says, strangers on pause, yet as if awaiting their tines, tuning forks and violet rays of Tesla's coil. Might this, their meeting on this day, be that resident transformer? And then we get a, a footnote, uh, a Tesla's coil. Uh, the inductor of coupling or magnetic phase synchronous couplings. The most basic resonant inductive coupling consists of one drive coil on the primary side and one resonant cir circuit on the secondary side, parenthetical, parallel resonant frequency. <sighs> you, you have to throw your hands up at some point in time. That's not the only mention of a Tesla's coil either, so that might be becoming a theme. So read up on that, folks. Otherwise, this is not going to make any sense because we might not be getting helpful footnotes like that every single time. The only saving thing about this, I guess, and, and you really have to only look at it philosophically, is if you were reading a good book and, <laughs> and someone tapped you on oh, the shoulder and said is. that, you'd go like, come on, hey, 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 knock it off. But I mm -hmm. guess when you're reading this kind of prose and then you have to interrupt it, sigh, go, you know, pay attention to this other thing, uh, it's kind of a lateral move. So it's, yeah. it's really, it's just annoying to have to move my eyes from one spot to another. Sure. Yeah. There's no flow to interrupt and no, uh, no, no plot to disrupt. So it's, yeah, it could be worse. Yeah. And it is going to get worse. Like we're going to, it's going to get worse right now because he's going to meet, uh, Annie, his muse. Before that though, I just had a question about this. Oh, sure. Is this a real thing? Spurly, it seems might be the right vessel at the right time, akin to the geological philosophy that one's search for ores and fuels serves as a means to a practical end. Oh, that philosophy. <laughs> yeah, that geological philosophy. <laughs> I I just uh, don't, I don't know. Did you have any comprehension of what that meant? Is that a a, a thing that we're supposed to no, know? No, I mean at some point in time he starts quoting that uh, that uh, hobgoblin lines, and I had some stuff I didn't understand there about consistency or pragmatism. Um, so that might be related to that. But it's a jumble and, and a hash of words that I, I was not, not able to uh, to suss out. Well, let's get into the uh, uh, let's get into the the, the tough stuff now. <laughs> so he meets Annie, who is a uh, woman with alopecia, a younger woman than him. We're led to believe uh, they met on a park bench one day during Bob's surveillance of elderly lawnmowers. Annie says, "Hello." Which I so I for the rest of the thing I just read all of her lines and portrayal as a Cockney lass. Uh, yeah, Mary Poppins kind of a thing here, <laughs> right? Um, and so they strike up a relationship, um, and this is where I, I want to call back to the uh, to Jemima, the uh, the cowboy's um, young cinnamon stick lover. She may have been young, she may have been even too young, but Bob never bothered himself with those distinctions. Um, and later it says, never one for psychosexual infantilism or pedophilic fantasy. Uh, and it just, it, uh, you're getting this protest it, too much. Uh, literally exactly what I wrote down. Yeah. <laughs> you know, uh, fool me once, but, uh, when it starts to become a theme, it's, uh, it's interesting. Uh, but often younger women have this characteristic effervescence lived in her every cellular, cellular expression. And she had spizzerinctum to spare. Mm-hmm. Yeah, <laughs> I was getting the sense she might even be a little bit of a flibber to gibbet. <laughs> Spizzerinctum. Now, yeah. I looked it up. 
Oh, wow. It is a real word. I sort of, I mean, it's one of those. Yeah. It's like, you know, expialidocious. A spelling B word. Yeah. Yeah. It's come on. Uh, I, I just called foul on that one. Spiz sure. ranked him to spare. It's, it's revolting. I mean, I guess, it's, I guess she's sort of essentially his like uh, manic pixie dream girl. She's the Natalie Portman in Garden State or the um, uh, Scarlett Johansson's character in uh, a Bill Murray movie. I guess she just shows up and livens up his life with her quirky views and lack of hair and uh, magical vagina. And then uh, moves on with their, yep, yep, there's no dancing around it. Wait, hang on. I'm going to take a giant sip of coffee and then you go go through that list of her characteristics again. (laughs) Mm -hmm. She had uh, red hair and a quirky outlook on life and a magical vagina. (laughs) (coughs) What? What's that now? (laughs) So uh, this was flagged by many people as the dumb sentence of the week, but uh, what a magical vagina thought after exploring it for hours. Hairless, but magical. Uh, uh, As revolting as that sentence is, try this one on for size. Annie had been that one brief break in the weather where his dullness dazzled a dame. Ugh. and uh, this this is another good thing. They're talking about their their relationship and their you know post coital uh, pillow talk. Um, never one for psychosexual infantilism or pedophilic fantasy. After their sex, he said, "Good vagina, maybe more Vietnam." And then, against all odds and uh, known recorded human behavior, she does not like stand up, wordlessly pack her bags, immediately leave, and never see him again. Which I thought was an interesting and unlikely scenario. No, she says. More Vietnam? <laughs> she asked, and he says, I guess. I'm is it a bit urban sugar? I, italics, I don't know. You're looking for some jungle? So what, I guess it, I'm sorry, it should be Is it a bit urban sugar? You're looking for some jungle. And Bob nodded. Okay, she said, I'll put on my little Merkin piece next time. So here's that's the Here's second, Merkin's yeah, coming back. That so yeah, that must be sort of how we he gets into that business. But yeah, she she understood what he meant by more Vietnam. So she's the one person on earth who gets him. I think literally, you know, you you say that about like a significant other, but I think she is literally the one person who understands what the hell he's talking about with his uh his weird little asides here. Yeah, and the the weirdness just uh, continues there. Um, uh, okay, said Bob, as you were. Thank you, thank you very much. And the obvious follow-up question is, are you into tantric sex, Bob, honey? <laughs> uh, and, yeah. and then, of course, the words that follow after when someone says that to you, what do you reply? You reply, of course, too much reading, <laughs> said the so-slotted sugar. Ugh. Yeah. Ugh. 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 Yeah, it is. It's it's revolting. And uh, But she's she does not appear... Um, long for the book. I, I looked her up. She keeps coming up, but I don't. I don't know if she's an actual character. I was looking for fan fiction about her, but she she leaves uh, his his orbit and goes on to send him uh, just pics every now and then, and including the one of a 12 inch and girthy black dildo, which was discarded in Las Vegas beside a casino poker chip and some publicly planted greenery. Um, so that might be something that you would assume would be never mentioned again. You would be wrong. Um, and then this goes, just gets us into a rant, um, which is just another sort of, it's like kids these days, but also, um, I'll just read it. Bob felt from feline millennials, the transmissions of Instagrams blitzing blazingly from all directions. 
the sensation of Roman arrows careeningly, careening chaotically within his skull. No one spoke to anyone, and when they did, it was more about those anthropomorphic arrows than it was the natural air of organically human traverse. So is this what you, when, when you decided that you didn't want to use Twitter anymore, is this sort of what you, <laughs> this is what you jotted down as you quit social media? This is. I went, uh, hey, everyone, hey, guys, and then I wrote that. And, <laughs> and then you reactivated three weeks later, and then and just to yeah. announce that you're only going to, yeah. Um, yeah, so I might yeah, be lurking a bit, but uh, <laughs> here are my thoughts, and tell me what you right. think, okay? Hit me up. For reasons why I quit this, please see my piece, uh, why I have quit yes. social media, page uh, 46 of Bob Honey, who, who do stuff. Um, so, yeah, that's a very weird and cannot be interpreted as anything other than a personal stance on the subject from Sean Penn. Yeah, I had the exact thing written down there. Disturbing internal info about our author. As well. <laughs> so. He doesn't. He doesn't like Instagram, and uh, I don't know what the arrows he's talking about. The only thing I could guess was like on Reddit, you up or downvote something with an arrow to make it a, you know, more or less prominent. Um, I don't know any other site that uses arrows as a um, indicator of of likes or something. I didn't know what I I had that whole paragraph written down, which is now too much to go into. But if anyone knows what that means, and then he gets into um, their sex life and thinking of chocolate bananas, cotton candy, and chugging trains. <laughs> to ward off consciousness of her detachment, and I don't know. <laughs> right. Yeah, at some point, you know, like you said, you can only, uh, if you're doing a completely ridiculous story about a, um, someone who's, who's so clearly not you, then you're afforded a little bit of benefit of the doubt with all that stuff. But it is so clearly you in some situations, it makes it hard not to assume that everything is. Right, right. Well, uh, we can delay no further, I think, unless you have any more notes on... Uh... I just, yeah, the last note I said was uh, the, he refers to, ah, that girl and the glistening between her legs. And I just wrote down, it would be my worst nightmare in a world if a close friend of mine wrote a book like this and I had to read their <laughs> their musings and their their descriptions of these type of activities. I can, I can imagine nothing worse. Yeah, it's, uh, the, it's like the time a, a friend of a friend at a, a, a bar uh, started describing some... Uh, you know, really gross thing. You guys ever do this? And then, you know, <laughs> describes uh, X, which is like, you know, jaw dropping and you have to go, uh, no, I mean, <laughs> not, not at all. A very, very awkward situation. Then, then he brushed it off like he had just seen it on Urban Dictionary or something. <laughs> right. Yeah. Uh, so there we are. We're at, uh, we're at station five. Let's station see. five. Uh, yep. Norm, could you read that, uh, chapter title for us we've already covered this one but this is station five big cock it's <laughs> the name of our chapter so yeah, oh. that caught my eye the first time i i glanced at this and wouldn't be lying if when i was meeting out what we should read this week i i decided to to not end it after chapter four just so we could see what what was going to happen with 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 the chapter titled big cock so essentially bob um he forgets about spurly cultier and he heads to, based on the photo, right? He heads to uh, Vegas? Yeah, I think it was Vegas. I mean, he's in, you know, the San Joaquin Valley. I'm not sure what that is, but it's either Southern or Central California, um, you know, which is another, another. you applaud the author for, for taking some creative steps outside of his worldview and where he sets the book. Uh, so, yeah, he drives out to Vegas. Um, it seems preposterous that you could track down this thing on the street based on this Instagram post, but... Um, Sure, whatever. <laughs> Once again, a, I think a joke from our author, but impossible to tell. Uh, but before that, he has a, a line here. Bob says this uh, out loud. He says, 
moral schmoral, you kill coral, he comments to critics unseen. Mm-hmm. And I just thought, man, those unseen critics missed out on a real good crack there. <laughs> yeah. Boy, those critics had heard that, they'd have gone, oh, he got us. Yeah, exactly. Boy, oh boy. Yeah, yeah. Bob doesn't talk too often, and and when he does, it's not like he's you know not like he's uh, saving it up for you know only only chiming in when he's he's got a real good burn panned. Yeah, boy, come on, Bob, tamp it down. But I guess you know it was kind of him not to say it directly to the critics' faces. Sure. Yeah, you never want to address your critics. It just you know you you leave that healthy divide. That that's what they're there for. They're there to criticize, and you know when you start. Uh, you know, retaliating to them. It just makes you seem sort of desperate and unsure of your own work. So yeah, just, you know, say it, say it to your friends. Just, just don't, don't, don't take yeah. out a full page ad to call out people who panned your book or anything. Yeah. If you can't say something nice, you know, this was a sentence that I, I had, I had absolutely no idea what it was. Um, <laughs> he says, he's talking about uh, the, that um, quote from uh, Ralph Waldo Emerson, foolish consistency is the hobgoblin of little minds which, you know, it uh, gets quoted a lot. Mm-hmm. And he, he says, it's so, so aggressively arrogant, Bob thinks, is the man or woman who lacks the will to adjust or compromise in the service of a greater good. He thinks of things political, their left, rights, and mutual wrongs. The cynical lack of substance to their reciprocal unequivocals. The cynical lack of substance to their reciprocal unequivocals. And I know what most of those words mean, um, and I just can't parse out what the hell that is meant to convey to us. Well, I have, I believe it's the, an adjoining sentence with, I have literally have zero idea what this means. <laughs> the leftists, he thinks, see themselves as idealists and intellectuals, hence they forsake inclusion of a right, be it ga- in gaming, greed, or pragmatism. This forsaking by either side contributes nothing to a result real or ideal. What works, be that question or solution, is the be-all, end-all for Bob. I, I, gave, yeah. it, I gave it six passes. I don't <laughs> understand. Right. Uh, I don't know if he's talking about left and right politically, I assume, but the right seems to imply like actual rights. I don't, I don't, I don't know. I puzzled that one out too, because yeah, he sort of said, he's like, the left does this, but then he didn't mention the other, the right. So it was, didn't really finish the thought. It seemed like, I don't know. It just, I posed that reciprocal unequivocals to Lauren. Yeah. Who's not read any of this and is not going to. And she, well, she got very angry at me for even making her think about this. But <laughs> her, she, she thought it might be sort of like not a slant rhyme or like, you know, the meter, like it sort of is a rhyme. But she couldn't puzzle out what it was meant to convey other than being maybe a stylistic choice of just how the words sound. Uh, I think we had shockingly similar, similar experiences because I read to, to Bridget, like, tr- what does this mean? And she, <laughs> and she gave it like a one irritated moment of like... I, I don't know when she went back to reading her book. Yeah, no, yeah, it was like it was like visible. Like, what? What are you making me do? Like, before bed, you're trying to. This is your hobby, honey. I don't want any part of this. Um. So yeah, he goes. Uh, he he mocks those un unstated critics. Uh, something about carbon emissions. Uh, his mallets, uh, increasingly mindful of his carbon footprint, he started calculating the grams per kilometer of his burnings and blowing it up of old persons and other things, putting himself on a socially responsible quota of containment. So I don't know who, if he's mocking people, if he's, I don't know who or, or what he is, but um, I'll just keep on going. Uh, he he goes to, uh, and this is this is the this was the this, the crown jewel of the first five chapters, um, if I recall. Uh, at midnight on the reservation, he goes out to an Indian reservation. 
he, after he retrieves the uh, girthy black dildo. Bob is assaulted by animism in the swirling surround of desert and stars. He claws out a hole in the ground and sticks the dildo's base into it. With an exacto knife, he slices a small silver pee hole into its tippy top, then inserts the bottom of a white birthday candle into the pee hole, lights it, and silently adjusts its direction towards the North Star. And I sort of I put this down and I thought to myself, you know, this book might not be very good. <laughs> that was my that was where it sort of occurred to me that this is uh, as I was being told this by a by an Oscar award winning actor. Yeah, in fact, it was odd. This was the very thing that that guy I was just talking about in the bar described. You guys ever go out to the uh, Indian reservation and uh, put a tiny pee hole on its tip top? Uh, it was uh, it was Pawn Shen. It was your old buddy who was uh, shot Ben <laughs> yeah. wearing a big bushy. He was just testing material for this book. Wow. Uh, yeah, this is all very very hard to read, and obviously, he. I, I don't know. I see him you know, giggling like a, a schoolboy as he writes it, like, boy, did I hit on something? I'm being naughty. And it's just, it's revolting and unfunny. Um, <laughs> this line, especially, the schlong burns fast and hot as he listens for echoes of Emerson granting ozone amnesty. Uh, you that, burned mine. <laughs> that was, oh, sorry. That was no, that's that. That was, but yeah, that's, that's, that's as dumb and as, as awful as they can be. Oh, uh, the wicked, why me of the wicked witch from yep. prick to puddle. Uh, and then that, he sings the Oscar Mayer Wiener song. Um, yeah, and he's, he he's, that. he's right on your formula there. He's, <laughs> <laughs> and he follows that up with an all caps branding is being. Um, and you know, I, I guess it's an instinct of some of these guys, like from what I gather, Gravity's Rainbow is a, is very much about like uh, has like a lot of boner jokes and stuff in it. Like I think that's a central conceit of that is maybe a guy's boner can like detect these missiles. That might be wrong, but I think it's somewhat right. So I don't know why these the satirists that he's aping have that desire to integrate the severe lowbrow with the highbrow. But I think that's very much what he's going for here. Yeah, I don't know. He thinks he's Chaucer or something. And, uh, you know, he's doing a, a modern <laughs> Miller's Tale. I, I don't sure. know. Uh, he, he says, uh, the Western developed world considered so rich in pride and possibility more often than not kills beautiful things in the human heart. Whoa. Yeah. <laughs> think about it. <laughs> um, I didn't think about it much longer than it took me to, to write. Whoa. But, uh, and then he says, how is it possible for a white American to calculate positive or negative impacts on Middle Eastern matters? One could either passively advocate medievalism and intellectual poverty, or at best bow to moderate governments that tolerate a measure of both. And I just wrote, w weren't we burning a dildo not two pages ago? <laughs> like, whiplash from the, uh, from the thematic things here. Yeah, your uh, your your professor would be going, uh, yeah, okay, uh, okay, smoldering dildo guy. Uh, does anyone <laughs> else have an opinion on? Um, and then he he goes home and listens to a uh, Phil Oaks song, who uh, is not someone I was familiar with, and I did not know the song, and um, it was not something a song that I liked, but it was a uh, I, I said it was sort of clapter the song, like you're perform you would only be performing it for a like minded audience, and who would sort of, you know laugh and, and golf clap at it yeah i i've uh i have a thing for uh loudon wainwright he's on the very edge for me because he yeah, yeah. he's, a, he's the a, he's the good version of it um i thought this was a poor man's loudon wainwright yeah too, there's a cleverness to him and i saw him once at the uh 
the Cedar Cultural Center, which is a, you know, a very, uh, you know, it's based on a, a university. It's in the, it's on a college campus, basically. And I went to see him once and he had a, a, a one song that he, I think it was about men. And it's a, it's a parody song about men. And some people were kind of like lightly booing him. And then, <laughs> but the next song was uh, insightful. And at the end of it, a, a crowd around me at the same time went, hmm. <laughs> that was the reaction to it and i just looked at bridget and we're like do, do you want to stay or should we should right. we get going i can't take mmming to a song <laughs> i just can't take that that's what the, the phil oaks vibe seemed like to me a lot of mmming yeah you're performing a song that's mocking uh people that would be the only type of people that would come see you per- sing this song in a concert <laughs> yeah but yeah i i that's all i've got for this first five chapters yeah, I've uh, hopefully my uh, dumb sentences have survived. I'm not sure. I'm going to have to look back over my notes for those. But uh, ah. yeah, I just have dumb sentences left, so I'm I'm good. Okay, well let's uh, let's do those dumb sentences. A sentence begins with a capital letter. A capital letter is a letter that's big. A capital letter is not a small letter. A capital letter is big, big, big. A sentence ends with a period or an next. Ex- okay, kick it off. All right. Well, we have one that, uh, well, this one was covered too, but we'll just read it again. Colleen and Justin both submitted, Waiter's whimsy for wheeling Wahhabist roadways was unsettling to his white war zone passenger. Um, And I think Justin said, this sentence is not really any dumber than the sentences surrounding it, but it is the point at which I began groaning audibly at the incessant alliteration. Yeah. Um, Yeah. So I think think a lot of people, once you realize that was going to be a thing, it was sort of like this horrified, like, no, no, no. Uh, (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> then we have uh, Chris submitted in the American state of Arizona, Scottsdale Senior Services offers a wide range of fitness, recreation and leisure opportunities. And he said, let me try a slight rewrite of that sentence. In the Canadian province of British Columbia, Vancouver, Senior Services offers a wide range of shooting the basketball, pie eating contest and dunk the person opportunities. <laughs> I was like, oh, man, I miss I miss thrash. Yes, <laughs> I miss the innocence of it. Uh, David said, paired with an extraordinary auditory augmentation efficiency that came to Bob in equal parts handy and haunting, more on that anon, his engineering acumen was unparalleled. And then he said, why so wordy, Sean Penn? Just call it what it is, a supersonic listening device like those used at football games. Oh, nice. (laughs) Um, So, yeah, again, mashups of of that would be delightful. Jeremy said she had taught him well with her smile, cerulean eyes, and the little thoughts she thought of him when she thought them. And he wrote, that one hadn't stood out to me, but he said, this book makes me question my sanity. (laughs) Uh, Yeah, I missed that one, too. That's a very good one. And I, like I said, mine was the schlong burns fast and hot as he listens for echoes of Emerson granting ozone an amnesty. Yep. Mine is um, mine's a, a little more modest in its. This just oh. annoyed me as I read it. It had not been hit on yet. It's this. In that childhood, he revered the anarchist cookbook, a Bible of bomb making and mayhem for the misguided published in 1971. 
<laughs> what, what, the misguided were published in 1971? <laughs> yes. I mean, or, just the fact that he had to put it in there. Like, I think most people who are like, who would read this book know what the anarchist cookbook yes, is. Yes, they've heard of it. They, don't, they know it's a, of an era and is a signifier. But ending a sentence published in 1971 is just so clumsy and stupid. Yeah, and you know what? You've established a place for those things to go, and they're in the terrible footnotes you keep putting in. <laughs> right. If you need to include that information, you idiot. I wish that had just been the footnote, uh, the published in 1971. <laughs> Let me scroll down six pages. Oh, okay, there we go. All right. At, at some point in time, I hope he leaves in like the uh, the brackets and then the number four from his copying and pasting from Wikipedia into <laughs> the footnotes. Right. <laughs> Uh, well, those were some good dumb sentences, and we do have a few emails. We'll read those quick. All right, steal away. All right. So, Brad, uh, this is just a quick one. He said, so after five chapters in, our protagonist has driven to Vegas and mowed his lawn. Thrillsville. Maybe he will go have a meeting about Sonny Hakori soon. <laughs> <laughs> I hope so. Boy, do I. Oh, that's, um, you know, this this mashing up and bringing back uh, previous ones is maybe the only way to rescue this thing and bring a lot of joy to me. I think so. Yeah, it is very fun to uh, to get to do that, just to, especially because you keep finding word ways for them to uh, to come in, you know, Fliberty Gibbet from Klein. Like they just they, they rear their heads in unexpected places. That's right. Tim has said, I have never before read a book that feels so thoroughly like it hates me, the reader. Every new page includes at least one sentence or section that reads as though it is designed to make me angry. If the narrator slash narration is supposed to be Bob's internal monologuing, it's doing a great job of ensuring I have no sympathy whatsoever for him. It is supposed to be a neutral, omniscient outside entity. That entity has to be cruelly and thoroughly laughing at everyone reading this. This is way worse than 64 squares, which at least felt charming and sincere, although horrible. This feels like being the target of a high school bully. Boy, that is well said. I, <laughs> I think we've been uh, uh, saying that in different ways throughout this podcast. But uh, well stated. Really, <laughs> really true. Hating the reader is not something that you really, uh, you really want to uh, be accused of. Yeah, it, it permeates every, every sentence. And this is just one that uh, Adam sent in. He, he, I guess, looked up some reviews of this. And I'll just read a little bit of it. But someone, someone on Goodreads went to town with their review. This sublime novel sensationally structures the shattering of the soullessness secreting itself in the sorrowful and shameful sounding of solicitudinous solitary sentience. Uh, I highly recommend it to a reader reduced to the resounding redundancy resplendent in the right repositories of the restful repose of reason and recognizance and ready to reach and wrangle among the ranks of ridiculous of rascals and rakes. So, <laughs> damning, damning with his sarcastic uh, alliteration. Yeah, back at you, Sean Penn. Take this. <laughs> this, this is uh, the end of misery of shoving the uh, book in her mouth and hitting her with a typewriter. <laughs> Joke on this. <laughs> um. So, yeah, I think that we are good to go. I think that uh, unless you have anything else, we've got a, an assignment. This book is divided up into not only stations but parts. And so for next time, we can read up to part two, which is page uh, 84 or so. Um, so my phone is ringing. One second. All right. Answer it on the air. <laughs> it's a, It was a, not a spam call. It was someone actually calling. So I don't know why he is. And um, we'll get to that later. But, yeah, let's do uh, let's do up to part two. And uh, that's, you know, I think through chapter nine. Um, but you'll, you'll know when you get to the uh, quote, 
From J. Krishnamurti, it is no measure of health to be well-adjusted to a profoundly sick society. Which, like, whoa. Yeah. Oh, man. <laughs> so true when you think yeah. about it. What if I'm not sick? It's just society. Um, <laughs> look, people, this is, uh, you know, it's rough going, but maybe he drops the alliteration. Maybe a story begins to develop. Keep hope. Keep your chins up, everyone. Yes, please. Yes, the uh, this naive this naive expectation that things might eventually get better despite all uh, points to the obvious is what keeps us going in these books. It is a sometimes it feels like we're just saying it for, to, to keep up uh, keep up face, but it, we must we must believe that if we are to continue reading. Uh, actually, I found out that Dwight David did a final pass at these last chapters, so uh, keep keep your hope up. <laughs> all right, we'll uh, we'll be back again soon with. Mr. Pappy Pen and Pappy uh, Pen, yeah. Pappy yeah. Pen, Pariah Van Pizzersnatch. <laughs> this has been uh, 372 pages. We'll <laughs> never get back. So long. Bye. Bye.